Hi, I'm Kat Farrance, and I'm founder of Movement for Modern Life. Welcome to Yoga Off the Mat. This is the Movement for Modern Life podcast, and in this podcast, I invite you to join me on a journey to meet the champions of change. These are the most inspiring people I've ever met, and they're living a happy, healthy, sustainable life. Hi, today I'm joined by Clive Fogelman, who is one of my favorite teachers on Movement for Modern Life, although I don't have any favorites, of course. Hi, Clive. Hi, Kat. <laughs> Clive, I wonder if you can just, uh, just to start us off, give us a little lowdown into how your yoga journey started. Where are you at with us all? So, well, I, I've been uh, practicing yoga for about 20 years uh, and I've been teaching for about uh, nine years mm. uh, I first came into yoga very much for the physical side of the practice uh, I, I was playing a lot of sports at the time and uh, I was actually getting injured a lot and um, someone recommended to me that um, uh, I, I'd benefit from yoga in terms of recovering in between performances and it would help with some of the injuries and um, uh, I started yoga and actually I have to say the first time I did it, I found it so hard uh, mm. and I felt so um, out of place in the yoga studio. I was, I was the only guy and uh, I'd come in in my football kit and uh, I was sweating profusely <laughs> and everyone else seemed to be moving so gracefully and right. seemed to be so happy and relaxed. And I, I just sort of left feeling quite uh, tense and <laughs> knackered and, uh, uh, and, and I didn't came back. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't practice for, uh, a few months after that but um uh something in me um took me back and and guided mm. me back there and uh i went back i decided to give it another go and uh i started to to, to practice reasonably regularly um and um really started to um connect very much with the, the physical side of it to begin with but I think within a couple of years, as can sometimes be the case with, with yoga, uh, I started to, to realize and feel that I was getting lots of other benefits from the practice um, and was feeling that it, it had a lot more to offer me. Um, and I started to feel a bit more balanced and a bit more grounded in my life. Uh, I felt a bit more focused and centered. Um, I felt like I was able to use the practice as a way of learning about myself mm -hmm. uh, and that my practice in a way was um, a, a bit of a mirror uh, to uh, some of my natural patterns of being and approaching mm -hmm. certain things and once I realized that it became a really interesting space for experimentation and transformation as well because here was a space I could now actually try and practice doing things mm -hmm. in a different way being in a different way during the practice and uh it was very liberate, liberating uh in that regard um and then with that i, I got very interested in, in meditation and mindfulness and um some of the uh the philosophy around yoga um and also training in psychotherapy i was very interested in the mind-body connection uh and very idea um very much um interested in this idea of yoga as a tool the transformation. Ah, fascinating. So actually it was the transformative parts of yoga that always were the things that first appealed to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I think to begin with, it, it was sort of 
it was the stretching and yeah. um, feeling a bit better in my body. And, mm-hmm. and what was quite interesting is that I thought I knew my body very well from playing mm-hmm. football and being a runner. But then I started yoga and actually I felt, well, I didn't really know my body very well at all. <laughs> I actually felt uh, very unfamiliar. And uh, that was a very interesting journey uh, in itself was just to start to learn more about the uniqueness of my own body and um it it grew out of that that sense of um possibility within the practice that the practice didn't just have to be one way it wasn't just about trying to get into a pose it wasn't just about trying to repeat certain movements right uh, that it could all be very adapted and very tailored based on my body and then lastly i understood how it could also be based on how i was feeling and I know that you have just recorded a class on movement for modern life on transitions. That's correct, yeah. So thank you for doing that. That was a so, pleasure. <laughs> so tell me about the class and tell me about the yoga of transitioning. So um, the, the idea behind the class was to um, bring transitions more into focus. Um, it's something that I... I practice a lot for myself uh, in yoga and also teach a lot of uh, in yoga. And it's, it's about, well, there's many reasons behind it. Firstly, it's about um, opening up the practice and, and expanding options uh, and, and really giving people uh, authority within their practice uh, and to empower people to make mindful decisions and choices when they practice based on how they're feeling in the moment and what they want to take from their practice in that particular moment. Um, as I practice and as I teach, I'd always ask myself or ask other people, how can the practice meet you in this moment? And that might mm-hmm. be different every time we come to the mat, every time we practice yoga. Mm-hmm. And when we start to bring a bit more attention and emphasis to transitions, we can really uh, explore uh, I think with more depth, this idea of the practice meeting us in the moment mm-hmm. and, and how we want to approach our practice. Do we want something that's uh, a bit more fluid and spacious? Do we want something that's quite dynamic and fiery and challenging? Do we want something that's grounding and balancing? And we can find that within poses. We can embody those qualities within poses, but there's also amazing opportunities to embody those qualities in the transitions in between poses and in the choices that we make as we might move through a vinyasa transition, for example. Mm. Uh, So I think it's got a very creative quality to it. I think Mm. it helps to keep us very present during the practice because it's really encouraging us to remain curious Mm. and to remain Mm. connected and to really practice from a very felt level, a very felt experience. Sometimes it can be um, tempting to practice in a way that we think we should practice uh, mm. or to compare the practice to what we've done in the past or to repeat certainly what we usually do or to practice with um, this idea in mind of what we think our practice should be. Mm. And I think just by bringing awareness back to transitions and still giving um, significance to the poses that we're coming into, but by giving a bit more emphasis to how we're coming in and out of those poses, I think uh, really gives that sense of 
um, connection in our practice and sense of choice and mm. a real sense of permission to really, well, this practice could be anything for me to take, depending on how I'm feeling and how I want mm. to approach it. Which is very liberating, but it also requires a certain element of, well, you've, you've said a few things. So first of all, it would be a lot of self-knowledge for you to know what you are and what you need. And most of us are just bodies that we don't know what we need. And that's the reason why we go to yoga class, Clive, to tell <laughs> us what we need. <laughs> and so, I mean, there is a sense of that. And that's why I always say the first transitions when we first start our practice uh, when we first get on the mat. And for me, it's so important just to take those first few moments at the beginning of the practice to either lie down or to sit still and just try and tune in mm. to how I'm feeling in that moment and how I feel the practice could really serve me or support me that day. Mm. And, you know, there is no right or wrong about that. That's really an inquiry and and it's an exploration and it's something that I'm trying to feel into and tune into and when I probably first started doing that for myself it was probably very hard to identify that and try to understand what these communications in my body were what what mm -hmm. was my body suggesting to me I probably did, wasn't that aware of the difference between low energy and fatigue and mm -hmm. feeling uh, less grounded more grounded I had to understand that over time, mm. but the, really the way to understand that over time was to continually practice checking in to start mm. establishing a deeper awareness in my body and to find uh, and experiment with different ways to responding that, uh, mm. which would then in turn help me to understand, you know, how I was feeling. So that first transition, because uh, when we start our yoga practice on any given day, we're in transition, we're coming from something else um, we're either coming home and practicing at home we're going to another space and practicing there maybe we've mm -hmm. just been on the phone to someone maybe we've been doing mm -hmm. something at home um, so that's the first transition is just to um, acknowledge that we're now coming into that new space uh, mm -hmm. to take a pause uh, and I notice in my own practice over the years I sometimes really rush that part of the practice mm -hmm. I, I feel in such urgency <laughs> to start my practice and to start moving. And it's, and it's what I'm familiar with is moving. So mm. just to sit at the beginning of a practice can be actually be very challenging. Uh, we mm. often feel very restless. Uh, mm. We often feel that urgency to get moving and get onto our practice, get through it so we can get onto our next thing. Mm. Uh, but actually, if we do pause, however challenging it is, if we just take a few moments just to really settle, to come into our body, to bring our awareness into our body, uh, then we might notice something, however subtle, um, about how we're feeling that day that mm -hmm. might just suggest um, a way forward or mm. inform us in some way so that we can make more mindful decisions during our practice. So when a teacher says something like, feel free to take um, downward dog now or feel free to take a rest pose, that we're, that's slightly more connected to how we're feeling in the moment so we can make that mm. conscious choice. You know, whether the mm. teacher suggests, if you wanted, you hold, hold plank for a few breaths or just hold it for one breath. That mm. We're just getting that quality of what, what do I need and what do I want? So I notice if I don't take that first transition, mm. then I tend to be less connected during my practice. And I tend right. to be more in a repetitive practice 
almost uh, carrying out the motions of my practice, but less orientated uh, with, with that deeper sense of how I'm feeling in the moment. Mm. Yeah, this is um, what this is reminding me of is um, I was on a teacher training a few years back and it was held in another country. And the teacher said, um, you know, just let me know when you've landed here. And he said, some people, you know, they land on their first day, some on their second day, some on the third day, and some write to me a couple of months later and say, I've, ri- I've arrived. <laughs> 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 because I suppose what that is, is it just shows that most of the time we're not where we are. And if we're not where we are to begin with, how can we be transitioning to the next place? Exactly. That sense of awareness, which we're um, attempting to cultivate here. But it's very hard to transition to your yoga class if you haven't even processed where you were before you were at the yoga class and in the place before that either. That's that's a good point. And and, and for me, you know, where possible, I I always encourage people to find bridging spaces between bridging spaces, whatever they're doing before they come to their yoga practice. Mm. So, you know, just for example, before you put your mat down, actually maybe just go and sit for a couple of minutes somewhere because it might Mm. be that actually you've just been doing some emails or you've been talking to someone, had quite an intense conversation with someone, you've navigated your local streets to get home and you're you're carrying that uh, energy with you. Uh, And to suddenly Mm. just go and put your mat down straight away and think, well, I'll just settle into my practice and connect to my breath and ground myself. It's actually yeah. very jarring. It's, it's really yeah, difficult. Exactly. It's really difficult. And and mostly, you know, we'll probably feel so restless that we'll just start moving because it's mm-hmm. just too it's too much just to stop and be still in that moment. Mm. So, you know, bridging spaces could be anything. They could be sitting for a couple of minutes before you start your practice. You know, if, if you're, um, you know, doing a video, for example, of Mood and Modern Life, you might put your mat down. You might have your mm-hmm. laptop ready, but you might not put it on straight away. You might just mm. take a moment, a minute, just to actually connect with sitting on your mat or lying on your mat and then press play on the video. Just a little bridging space, just to provide a little space in between. There's just another little mini transition just to um, uh, guide you into that space. Um, you know, other bridging spaces might be just, you know, not, not being on your phone for five minutes before practice. Not, not being in a, in a lengthy conversation with someone just before practice, whatever it might be, just something small um, that just sort of, sort of uh, gives you that sense that you're starting to uh, travel towards this new experience, transition towards this new experience. Mm. And that can ease the transition uh, in some way. And um, I, I always find it helpful uh, just to just take that moment just to connect with my breath. And, you know, it, it's really about coming a bit into the body as well, uh, and mm-hmm. just taking a moment to connect into the body uh, and to connect into our breath and to uh, find those those pauses, really. Uh, sometimes our transition, uh, certainly for yoga, um, might just be these small pauses, just a mm-hmm. moment to stop. You know, when we take a rest pose in yoga, a child's pose or any rest pose, It's not just an opportunity to rest our body, uh, which it is, and that's a really important thing in our practice to know when to stop and rest. But every time we stop and rest, it's also an opportunity to check in again. 
just to mm-hmm. notice how we're feeling in our body, to take that mindful pause, to see if we can identify something about how we're feeling and uh, how we might want to approach the next phase of our practice. You know, what you're saying is incredibly radical here. And I'm going to tell you a sneaky, a sneaky little insight into how crap I am at this, right? Okay. So first of all, when I put on a video for Movement From One Life, so I will say, okay, I'm going to do my home practice now. I'll press play. And while, while the teacher is starting, I'll still be finishing off my last task. So the teacher will be saying, okay, come onto your mat and you'll need da-da-da-da-da and the class is all about da-da-da. And I'm like, oh, I don't need all that stuff. Okay, I, I'm, I'm, don't, don't worry about me, teacher. You just carry on. I'm just going to write one more text message and then I'll be with you by the time you do something interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I mean, we've probably all done it. You know, maybe in some, sometimes we've even fast-forwarded the introduction right? and waited just, you know, just to get straight into the movement. That's exactly um, it. And we get people who say this, like, they don't start quick enough. Like, come on, we need to, we're time poor here. You know, we're in a hurry. And we are in a hurry. And that is the, and that's and kind that, of that, our and time. And that it? is it. I mean, that is really, it is, it is, um, it's that sense of urgency, that sense yeah. of not having enough time. Mm-hmm. I always find there's something interesting, especially in those days where I don't feel like I've got much time for mindfulness or meditation or yoga. I feel like yeah. I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. And then and then I take the time, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. Mm-hmm. And always, I always feel by the end of it, I've been given the gift of time back. Mm. Because in that process of stopping and slowing down and coming away from all those things that I think I need to do, mm. as, I, as I come back from my practice into the rest of the day, Mm-hmm. typically i have more clarity over what i need to do or how i want to go about it mm-hmm. so i get things done quicker and more efficiently mm-hmm. i have a clearer sense of priorities so mm-hmm. all those things that i thought i had to do i look at them again and i think you know what only mm-hmm. a couple of those are actually really priorities right now the rest i'll mm-hmm. wait till tomorrow mm-hmm. next week sometimes i mm-hmm. even look at some of those things and think i don't know why i still got you on my mind as a to-do list because actually i don't need to do that at all but I've been mm. worrying about it and it's been mm. making me feel stressed. Uh, mm. So then I, you know, I finish my practice and actually I start to move much slower. Mm. I start to take my time. I start to think more clearly. And actually I start to experience time more fully. Time doesn't wow. actually feel so rushed. So by slowing down, actually I start to feel the fullness of time again. And that's wow. very rich uh, and it's very profound. and. The, the challenge is, is that because mm. we don't feel we have much time to do what we need to do, to get done what mm. we need to get done, we get everything done as soon as we can, as quickly as we can. Mm-hmm. But the more we do and the quicker we get it done, the more rushed we feel. And and to be honest, it's often mm. endless. <laughs> There's an endless thing. That needs to, we might kid ourselves and go, well, if I just get that done tonight, at least I don't have to worry about it tomorrow. But Something else is there tomorrow by the time we get tomorrow. So we've not necessarily created ourselves yeah. more time. We've just yeah. filled up more time. So uh, mm. that that stopping is so um, it's so crucial. Uh, it's so hard. I, I it was something I've had to train myself to do. I continue to practice it. 
there's times where it's it's really challenging um mm. and um but i also know how important it is just to stop uh, mm. just to pause and take time and if we think about transitions in daily life let's say mm. you've been out um during the day and you're coming home the tendency mm. when we come home might be to start doing all the things that we need to do at home mm-hmm. um the various administrative things that we need to do so one transition when we get home is what i will do when i get home before i do anything i'll just go and sit down i'll just mm. go and sit down for one minute two minutes five minutes and i'll just sit without any particular objective around sitting i'll mm. just sit i'll sit uh, it might end up being an opportunity to process some of the experiences I've had that day. Uh, it might be just an opportunity to connect with my breath, to connect with my body, uh, or maybe to consciously think about how I'm feeling and what I want to do now that I'm home. To actually now, ask myself I, that question. So, so that sitting, hmm. is this a sort of thing that you come in from a day's shopping, you make yourself a cup of tea and have a fag type of sitting? Or is this sort of sitting in a different way? How do I, what, what no, it's, it's just, it's just like sitting, I might sit with a cup of tea. Oh, um, you really, okay, okay. You yeah, really I might do. sit with a cup of tea, but, but the idea is okay. just to, to, to sort maybe, of... Maybe not the fag, hey? <laughs> maybe not the fag, but <laughs> and, and the idea is just to, just to sort of shift a bit into being mode. Oh, okay. Because if I've come from being out, I've been doing. Mm-hmm. So, or I've been travelling and I've been moving. So it's an mm-hmm. opportunity just to be still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I might look out at the garden or look outside mm. and just allow myself uh, just to sort of let my mind wander a bit. I, mm-hmm. I find it's quite help- – actually, I find it very helpful mm. to, to sit a few times throughout the day. And actually, even sometimes when I practice my meditation and mindfulness, uh, I, I call it active, uh, active mindful wandering. I really <laughs> let my mind wander because – what I find is that if I don't give myself a few moments during the day to sit and allow my mind to sort of wander and, and sort of just uh, allow that filter of all those different experiences that I've been through, I find mm-hmm. when I get towards the end of the day and I want to relax or I get to bed at night, I find myself suddenly thinking about everything that's happened. That oh, that's day. a really good point. And I, I find myself that. restless yeah. and on edge and overwhelmed and find it very difficult to relax mm. uh so i actually consciously make time during the day just to sit and let my mind wander it might be some of the interactions i've had that mm. day i might be thinking about some of my classes and how they went mm-hmm. um i might be thinking about some of the things that i'm doing at the moment um but i really just let it sort of flow and filter out and then i find when i relaxing later on that evening um or i'm going to bed that night actually I, i'm not suddenly inundated with all of those moments and experiences again i've actually filtered some of them out mm. um so i and, and i use this in my transitions of the day i just allow myself just to sit and just let it let it filter let it flow um and and see what comes out and see if i don't make any connections what a great what a great idea i think i think i'm going to start doing this i think it's something which we do sort of naturally if you come in from a tough day you naturally want to put your feet up and have a cup of tea but then lots of people might at that stage pour yourself a nice large gin and that slightly has the opposite effect because yeah, that's all, all, the fo- all the phone comes out 
Or, or the phone comes out, or, or right. we catch up on some of those non non critical tasks of the day, mm. um, right? And you know, so um, mm. you know, uh, it's you know, and and there's a slight difference as well between sort of the sort of sitting and having the TV on, or sitting mm. and being on your phone looking at the internet, and actually just sitting and just yeah. being present to whatever emerges. So. You know, you could just go and look at the sky and just mm. allow your awareness to flow from one thing to another as it catches your attention. And mm. in the middle of those moments of, of the things that catch your attention, that's when these thoughts will come up, little moments of the day that you've had. Uh, maybe actually you connect with something that you didn't give much attention to earlier on in the day. And actually, oh, mm. that happened today. That was actually quite nice. Oh, that moment I shared with someone. Actually, I didn't even fully acknowledge or recognise that moment. Someone mm. opened the door for me earlier, and I just sort of walked straight through. But actually, that happened earlier. That was actually a really nice moment. Huh. Yeah. You know, it, small little things just might appear that just uh, give us an opportunity to, um, to, to connect, to reconnect, um, to yeah, make some insights about the day that we might have not previously had. Uh, maybe to let go of a bit of stress or tension. Sometimes we need to revisit some of those experiences. If we've had a challenging conversation with someone, we're feeling a bit mm. angry or frustrated. Sometimes we need to revisit that a few times uh, mm -hmm. to to release the frustration and the tension around it. Um, and hopefully each time we come back to it, we get a bit more understanding about it, a bit more mm. awareness or perspective around it that uh, hopefully as well can can create the pathway to sort of moving through it. Uh, and, and, and letting go of it if it's something that we're hoping to do. So, um, yeah, I, I find if I don't sit and take those those moments, uh, by the end of the day, I'm, I'm starting to feel quite wired and quite tense. And then when I really want to relax and really want to let go, I find it much more difficult to do that. Um, and I try and find those little windows wherever I can. It might be um, I'm going out to meet someone, um, mm. By nature, I like to be early anyway, but mm -hmm. not, notwithstanding that, I always try and get early and just try and be somewhere and sit and just take a moment to be in that space. So I have a few minutes to transition before I then in conversation with someone. So I find that it just gives me an opportunity to ground myself, mm -hmm. to, to create that sense of really arriving and being present. And then I find when I'm in communication with that individual that I am more present with that communication. I feel much more connected in that conversation so I, I i look for those transitions where i can in the day where, where am i going to be able to find those little windows where i can just mm. stop and take a pause um and and really um i think it's, it's partly about slowing down um mm. partly about balancing out moving with some stillness um balancing the doing and the being i think part of why this is to me this is very different and actually very radical um, because I've got a bit of a, um, like very many people out there, I'm a sort of type A go-getter type person. Loads of us are like that. And I think part of being like that is you have, a, I have a thing about productivity and I've like, okay, I've got a lot to do. I've got to smash through it. We've seen the size of my to-do list. It's bigger than anybody else's. <laughs> and um, I've sort of, uh, I'm always sort of interested in hearing life hacks as to how to be more productive, get more done. 
And that's always been the focus is how to fit in that extra email, how to get that extra thing in. And it's all about, okay, in that space of time, why not, you know, when you're driving, listen to a podcast, better yourself, learn this. In your evenings, why not take an evening course? Why not do this, this, and this? And it's all about how to fill up every single moment and every single day so that, oh, you're sitting on the tube, great, time to do your Instagram catch-ups. Like, everything. Mm. (laughs) Oh my God. Everything is like that. And it's so scheduled in and it's bonkers. And it doesn't actually, like, I'll die with a big to-do list. (laughs) Like, that's just the way it's going to be. And it's not going to be like, oh, I have to come back from the dead to do it. Like, you know, so it doesn't actually matter. And somehow it's very hard for me and for many of us to get that memo that the to-do list, like you say, it's, here today gone tomorrow or not or half of it's irrelevant and in any event when I'm meant to be doing the to-do list most of the time my mind is splitting off some Mm. completely different direction and then oops there we are I'm scrolling around on social media like so in a way in a way that productivity and that focus of jamming things in um is really counterintuitive um because it actually doesn't work so what yeah. I have found is, so the, uh, just a little thing that I've found, which goes to exactly what you said, is in my car journeys, I've always been, you know, listening to podcasts, audiobooks. I now have 15 minutes where I just listen to, I listen to Radio 3, which is really boring classical music. It's not even the interesting stuff. So that I, I have, it's just thoughts, just let the thoughts process. It's really actually changed things. Mm. So. You're, you're on to something here, Clive. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to stop. It's, it's hard, hard to, to slow down. And, and as you touched on, because we tend to be moving more mm-hmm. and getting things done, uh, it actually then starts to become unfamiliar to stop and to be still. Uh, and, and we avoid it. We resist it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like many things, in a way, it's a practice, you know, yeah. and with practice, it's something you can develop. Um, and it's something that you can hone over time to the point where perhaps even intuitively you start to notice when you need to stop in the moment, when you need to be still, when you need to take a pause. And that in itself can really uh, be fluidly integrated into daily life. Mm. So that it's really allowing us to thrive and remain balanced and, and give us sustainability in what we're doing. And, um, you know, it's like taking a pause during yoga. Mm. So we just take a rest for a few breaths in a rest pose or a child's pose. Actually, by taking those little rests, we can end up finding that we've got a lot more to give during the practice. If we, go into the practice and just go and accelerate into it, mm-hmm. we might find actually by about 20 minutes in, actually we're feeling really tired and mm-hmm. fatigued. But by actually stopping and pausing every now and then, mm-hmm. we might actually find that actually we, our practice becomes much more sustainable in a way in that in that moment. So it, it, we, we get these glimpses of what it's potentially like when we stop and when we slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other aspect of it is that slowing down um, is really about 
Well, there's many different uh, sort of aspects of it, but one aspect of slowing down is that if you think about our yoga practice, for example, if, if we go too fast, we don't actually have time to notice what's going on. We don't have time to actually notice what's happening in our body as we move. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when we slow down, we're actually starting to give ourselves an opportunity to actually notice what's happening in our body. Mm. Are we overusing certain parts of our body when we're doing certain movements or poses? Are, mm. are we perhaps underusing certain parts of our body? Are we feeling fatigue? Are we mm. feeling strain? Do we actually perhaps have more energy than we thought we had at the beginning? And mm. actually, so when we go slow, a bit slower, we have time to notice. We start to actually be able to develop a communication in the moment in our body. We start mm -hmm. to observe. We start to experience and we start start to respond to what we're we're noticing and then when we go a bit slower we can start to look at those spaces in between as well mm. in those transitions so if i'm going from the top of the mat to plank it's not so much now just about plank mm. it's about the experience of getting into plank how do i want to get into plank do i want to mm. go quite softly and effortlessly into plank or so I really want to create a deep engagement in my body as I step from the front of the mat to plank, keeping my shoulders over the wrists, keeping my core engaged and focusing on stepping back very slowly and lightly so that the actual experience of stepping back becomes a very deeply engaged movement in my body. Mm. So now that's got, it. Yeah. Yes, go on. Well, I was going to say that also is a very different way of looking at it because how we have, as somebody, you know, taught yoga, it's like yoga is a series of poses. It is plank, then it's down dog, then it's chaturanga. And how you join those up, well, good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, you that, 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 those are uh, opportunities for great inquiry and great mm. curiosity and that's something that's quite interesting about transition is because that's mm. really what it's encouraging transitions it's time for inquiry and time to be curious whether it's the small transitions of daily life like when we get home after a busy day mm -hmm. or a larger transition of life changing jobs moving countries mm. uh going through difficult experiences in life illness injury mm -hmm. uh, bereavements mm -hmm. um they often present us with times of um, curiosity and, mm. and inquiry and a chance to reflect and a chance to make discoveries, however challenging they are, those periods. And, and transitions can, sometimes they can be quite exciting transitions, but even mm -hmm. the exciting transitions can often feel a bit scary and a bit mm -hmm. daunting. And uh, one of the reasons we sometimes avoid transitions is that we feel um, less in control. Mm. And when we're, you know, when we're feeling less in control, we feel less grounded, we feel more vulnerable, we feel more exposed, and we have to sort of confront the unknown a bit. And, mm. and that's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to be with the unknown, to be with uncertainty, uh, to not have all the answers or the solutions in the moment. Mm. And, um, you know, so when we're in transition, um it provides this opportunity for me or what i found was to, to to sort of yeah really cultivate let's be curious let's see where this goes what happens mm. when i move like this what are the different ways i can get from standing to the floor what are the different mm. ways i can get from the floor up to standing 
how can I move from plank to downward dog in different ways? Mm. Not just in terms of different movements I can do, but also different qualities that I can create through that. I could move in a very grounded way. I could move in a really challenging way. I could Mm -hmm. move in quite a water-like fluid way. And then uh, for me, uh, the the, the practice, as I touched on earlier, it really opens up. It really becomes a a journey of discovery. Our, Mm. Our yoga practice itself is a way of establishing deep deeper awareness of our bodies and with ourselves and now my yoga practice is a tool it's not the outcome the pose isn't the outcome chaturanga is not the outcome it's actually a tool that's facilitating and cultivating either an experience in the here and now always being integrated into other parts of my life to bring out the most of those parts of my life as well Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's um, fascinating. And it's so wonderful to hear yoga being framed in that way, because you know, for most of it, it's just sort of a way of stretching. But actually having it as a way of being able to move from one, one journey through your life to a next is um, again, that's that's pretty radical because again, we in the society there are some pretty predestined locations that we arrive at. You know, you arrive, you know, you're going to go to school and then you're going to graduate and then you're going to do university and then you're going to do your first job or whatever those ladder steps are. That we're all sort of progressing to that point, and that's kind of what the deal is in this life: is that we transition to the next point. And, you know, there you've arrived at that thing. And we don't talk about kind of how it feels to be in those juicy stages, which is the between stages. You know, how does it feel to, you know, not be working towards your next promotion, just be living Mm. that day? And that's quite a, um, it can feel quite untethered, that feeling, because in a way it's nicer to be able to think, oh, here I've got, I'm aiming to this. I'm aiming to my to my down dog. I'm aiming to my perfect down dog. I'm aiming to my perfect promotion. I'm aiming to be able to get this amount of money, become a manager, and get my heels to the ground. That's really interesting because, you know, there's that mirror in, in daily life and yoga um, mm-hmm. and this idea of goals and targets. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, it, it can be very much part of our culture. This idea of you know setting goals and targets, mm. and you know, the, the thing with that is that uh, I can you know I can speak for myself. It, is that mm-hmm. you know we set ourselves these goals and targets, and um, when we get there, and if we do achieve those targets and goals, that you know for the most part, that there might be a sense of of um, appreciation or pride or sense of doing something well but i think most of the times and certainly in my case even before i'd reached that target i'd already set new targets so so by the time i'd actually got to that particular target i I didn't feel the level of satisfaction that Mm. i anticipated or that i expected Mm. and actually what i learned over the years as well by having those particular targets um that to, to a point that can keep our perspective actually very narrow uh, and c- 
can keep us quite tunnel visioned and can keep mm. us sometimes less connected to all the other things that are happening. And mm. I mean, I'll just give you an example. I, I remember when I was first getting into yoga mm-hmm. and uh, uh, when I first started, I was coming from a sports background. I was so tight and stiff. I, I mean, every single pose you can imagine was difficult. Uh, sitting cross-legged for more than two seconds was, was impossible. It uh, made me cry. But um, I remember coming out of a class once and we were in this pose. Uh, it was about five years later. And um, I remember thinking to myself, you know, after five years, why is this pose still so difficult? I can't believe it. It's after five years. But actually, the way I was doing the pose was so different from the way I was doing it five years ago. I, I was, I, I, actually, if I actually had stopped to think about where I'd come from, and if mm-hmm. actually if I was doing the pose the way I first started doing it five years before that, actually it wouldn't have been so difficult. Mm-hmm. It would actually mm-hmm. be much more enjoyable. <laughs> In a way, but I constantly I kept resetting the target of what I wanted to do with that particular pose, uh, and that was always an interesting moment for me uh, in mm. yoga when I was like, "What? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Uh, and mm. what am I? You know, what's the purpose of this? You know?" Mm. And um, so, so that was quite interesting. And we and we do the same in life. We set these goals and targets, yeah. and it gives us that sense of control. I'm going to this place. Um, but like I said, I think sometimes by, by focusing on that, um, you know, in a way we lose sight of the journey, the, the, the experience of getting into it. And actually, one of the interesting things, I think, when we get a bit more into the journey and the experience of it, is that actually it could lead us somewhere else. And mm. it can lead us to places that we couldn't even imagine to begin with or expected mm-hmm. to begin with because we're not so attached to the outcome. And in a way, there isn't anything wrong with wanting to be able to do a plank or to be able to do a specific yoga pose that we want to work towards it, it's when we just get really attached mm-hmm. to it happening and and fixated on it happening that sometimes we don't necessarily notice and observe what's ha- happening on the way there you know and mm-hmm. we, we, we don't even give ourselves time to acknowledge that actually okay plank is still really difficult but you know what i'm still i've still got much stronger I've still been mm. developing strength and I, I want to acknowledge that to myself. And actually, you know, if actually a plank comes at the end of it, that's maybe a byproduct of me just focusing on developing strength and, and, and using yoga and maybe other movement disciplines uh, as a way of developing strength. Um, mm. So um, it, it, it's, you know, it's like this idea of having dreams and aspirations and intentions. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely go for it. It's great. They guide us. They uh, they excite us. They motivate us. Uh, but it's just when we get a bit too attached to the outcome um, that, that sometimes it can be problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it brings us into that very comparative, uh, evaluating mm-hmm. mode of being. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes we just need to give ourselves permission to... To, to slow down, to stop, to to not have to get to where we want to go as, as quickly. Yeah, right. That it, it doesn't matter when we get there, if we get there. You know, if we might have the intention of going there, and, and let's see where it takes us along the way. And I think, yeah. No, I, I, sorry, I think you're absolutely spot on there because I think a lot of people who have their aim as success equals a certain amount of money or a certain size house or you know one of the very material things that is very normal to have as a benchmark for success in this life um you know once you achieve that 
and you realize actually I'm still the same person on the inside. It's a bit of a sort of disappointment almost. Um, and it can lead to, uh, you know, you come into your first, second, third marriage and, you know, that prevailing feeling of emptiness because you can travel around the world, have a private island, but unfortunately it's still you who's traveling. Mm. And if you haven't managed to sort of get that sense of awareness, get a little bit more acquainted with you are and sit down with yourself, maybe it doesn't, you know, it won't be fulfilling even getting that massive goal of whatever it is. Um, and that's, I guess, I guess that's the sort of tricky journey for people and for all of us to sort of realize because we've all been, you know, brought up, well, yeah, I think most, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're in this culture of, um, you know, we have to achieve X, Y, Z, and that is what our life is about. And it really is an unraveling, I think, to, and it's so radical to say, stop, sit down, create time. Like what we're doing here, what you're yeah. saying is create your own time, yeah. create your own agenda. Because the thing that we all have in our mind as being the ideal, well, there might be something so much better that we couldn't have even imagined. Ah, yeah. oh, that's so cool, Clive. So, <laughs> you know, just to get sort of another sort of connection to yoga, when I first started yoga, and maybe because I had a bit of a sports background as well, but I, I got very attached to poses, mm-hmm. you know, yes. trying to be able to do poses, uh, mm-hmm. downward dog, plank, inversions, arm balances. And mm-hmm. there's an element of fun to it as well, which, yeah. which I enjoyed. But after a while, actually, I just started getting injured. I just started getting injured. And actually, I start, what I started to notice was that I was repeating my patterns in daily life in my mm-hmm. yoga practice where I was hmm. chasing and challenging myself hmm. and wanting to be the best uh, hmm. and wanting to take everything to the extreme. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I got a shoulder injury as a result. And I had a moment where I was like, you know, I came to yoga because I was getting injured in sports and someone recommended yoga to me. And now and you're doing before exactly long, the I'm, same. Now, I'm just, I'm in the same process now in yoga. Mm-hmm. And so one of the aspects of my, of my practice over time has actually been about coming back and, and, and slowing my practice down, mm. not going as deep into poses, but finding mm. as a result of that, that actually uh, more often than not, I get more. Mm. Uh, and, and I really, uh, I really um, value this in yoga that, just teaching me this this feeling, not just cognitively or cerebrally, mm-hmm. less is more, but actually mm-hmm. to feel it in my body that less can be more. Sometimes when I go mm. go as deep into a pose, I feel more spacious, I feel more open, I feel more length, or whether it mm. is that I might be exploring in that particular pose, physically mm-hmm. going deeper. Sometimes it might mean you get more depth, but not always. Actually, sometimes mm-hmm. it's the that sometimes taking a step back and drawing back is what cultivates uh, openness and, and, and depth uh, and release in the body. And that was really interesting because to really feel that, and I think once you start to feel it, you can start to trust it because mm. it's not just something that's coming uh, uh, in your mind. And it's not mm-hmm. just an idea that you sort of consciously or um, rationally can connect with. You can actually mm-hmm. feel it in your body what it's like to embrace less is more 
or that when you go slower, uh, it can get you where you want to be sooner than mm. rushing after it. And, mm. and, and I think that's one of the gifts of yoga is that it, bring, it can really bring you into that deep connection to your body and you can start having these, these felt experiences and you can practice tuning into this in your yoga practice. Mm. And, but you, you don't even have to actively bring it into your life because if you keep practicing it in yoga, it will just start to ripple into life as well. Before you know it, you just you might find those moments where you just start to slow down. You haven't even had to think about slowing down. Your body is taking you there before your mind has, which is really. And when you witness that, you go, "Ah, oh, wow!" Something, mm. and you feel this connection between your your yoga practice mm. and your daily life, and it, it's like a mirror back to you. It's like, "Ah, oh, wow." So, you know, that was a really interesting experience for me because I was also very much push, 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 harder, mm -hmm. harder, harder. And at some point, you know, in various ways, um, my body actually responded back to me and said no. Mm -hmm. And one of the most interesting times and most challenging times for me, as you'll know, was um, about seven years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, not only was it a very difficult experience, but, well, for many reasons. Firstly, as, as a yoga teacher and someone that's been teaching yoga and practicing yoga for quite a few years, mindfulness and meditation, uh, I, I felt like I was already in quite a deep relationship to my body. And it was quite a shock mm. to notice and, and gradually accept that I, I wasn't in as a deep relationship to my body as I thought I was and that I still had a lot more to learn around that and, and what it truly meant to stop and slow down mm. and and in a way when i got ill i was forced to slow down mm. it, it was almost taken out of my hand i was forced to stop and that period especially the sort of first year while i was in recovery mm. and this is uh, you know one of the biggest transitions in my life was was you know being diagnosed with cancer and, and um one of the biggest challenges was stopping being still mm. uh, and accepting that i could no longer do everything that, the way i like to do it i could no longer continue at the pace that i was going at and i really had to accept that uh and really illness gave me permission in a way to just slow down and for the first time in my life uh i understood what effortlessness was uh, and what it really meant to slow down and just stop and be still partly because it was taken out of my hands but mm. even then I, I realized i was being given quite an amazing gift in that moment because i really got to taste in my body what it meant just to stop and just to slow down and mm. that transition of, of um coming through illness um and still living with that and in and, and, and recovery, mm -hmm. but trying to still embody that quality of, of softness and effortlessness that I really allow myself to have illness. It's like, why can't I have that when I'm feeling well? <laughs> why, do I, why do I only give myself that when I'm ill? It's like, no, I want to give that to myself when I'm feeling well as well. And, uh, and now it's really something that I try to integrate into daily life, that, that mm -hmm. sort of the, soft, the softness and the effortlessness and, and knowing when to move 
between the two because there's definitely times as well to be effort and to mm -hmm. challenge oneself but there's also got to be times for the other and giving yourself a bit of time whether it's during your yoga practice or in daily life to just to start creating that deeper relationship to the body to know when you're ready to give more and to know when you need to stop and slow down and give back to yourself and to consolidate um it's, it's been a really important learning for me and mm. it's something i try to translate into my yoga practice and daily life as well wow thanks so much for sharing that's um that's incredible so do you think it was um that experience with cancer that has made you really understand the need to slow down then yes and and you know quite honestly mm. You know, and again, it's, it's hard to say, but, you know, before that happened, I was teaching people about the importance of slowing down. Mm -hmm. I, I thought I was living it as well. And right. it was really hard to realize that I wasn't or that I had much more to learn about it, because actually where I was coming from was up here. Mm -hmm. And I may have made my way down a bit, but actually there was a long way left for there me to go in, in terms of understanding what slowing down really meant. And and one of the things that I try to integrate into my life now as a result is this uh, thing called conscious relaxation. So often um, I, I would, and as many of us probably do, we sort of pass out towards the end of the day, we're exhausted, we sort of mm -hmm. lie out on the sofa. But I'm relaxing tonight. But that's actually right. that's not really, I, for me, I worked out that wasn't really relaxing. For me, that was just passing out tired. And that was the only time that I'd really given myself permission just to stop. It was just because I was exhausted. Uh, and I just really found out that didn't work for me. And, mm -hmm. and actually, it wasn't allowing me to be sustainable. And it wasn't going to be the way for me to optimize my health moving forward. So, mm -hmm. uh, And it was really hard. But I had to start integrating active relaxation into my day, where I would choose to relax even when I'm not feeling tired. Mm -hmm. I'd, I would choose to relax even if I felt like I had energy and that I didn't need to relax. But mm. I would consciously integrate active relaxation into my day. Uh, and that has been one of the most important things, I think, during recovery right. is, 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 is knowing that I don't just have to wait till I'm tired to relax mm. or to notice that when I'm low, low, at my low energy, I'm going to relax. I'm actually mm. going to weave it in. It's going to be a bit more of a fluid relationship between being active, being passive, effort, mm. effortlessness, uh, and to try and tune into when I need which. Um, so, uh, but I tell you what, it was so hard. <laughs> so hard that. to, it's really, it's so hard to stop. It's so hard to slow down. It's so hard to give ourselves permission yeah. uh, and to honor how we're feeling uh, and, to, and to practice self-compassion to ourselves. Um, and, um, but like I said, it's a, it's a practice. And, and the more we practice it, the more we get familiar with it, the more that we yearn for it, the, the more that we um, can identify in the moment mm -hmm. when we need it. So it doesn't, you know, so someone might say to someone, like if I'm teaching yoga or meditation and so, every now and then someone might say to me, um, you know, you've been practicing yoga for a long time or meditation for a long time. You must be, 
you must be so relaxed and <laughs> you must be so calm and chilled and you must have the best posture and your breathing must be so sort of even and consistent. Mm. And it, my, my typical answer is that like anyone, I get stressed. Mm. Like anyone, uh, I get tired. Uh, I have bad posture. My breathing gets choppy. But the difference now compared to years ago mm. is that I catch it much quicker. Mm. Because through the practice of yoga, through learning to stop more, through learning to take time more, I'm more present uh, and hopefully I'm more aware to what's happening in the moment. So rather than getting to the end of the day and realizing I'm absolutely exhausted, mm-hmm. I just start to realize a bit sooner that my energy is starting to go down or I'm starting to get a bit tired. Then I can do something about it a bit sooner before it's become full fatigue i start to notice maybe uh, i've got a little cold developing before it becomes a full-blown cold Mm. the beginning of a headache before it becomes a full-blown headache because in yoga one of the things that and meditation one of the things that really encourages and this is why stopping at the beginning of practice is so important and at the end of the practice and during the practice we are practicing checking in Mm. We're practicing checking in. We're practicing tuning in. Mm. We're practicing becoming aware. And the more we do that, the more we rewire our mind and our body for this to become a more natural process so that it happens in daily life as well, so that we can be more aware of our shifts in daily life and, as a result, more responsive to them as they emerge. And that, that was one of the big things that I really wanted to take out of being ill, to, mm-hmm. to create that deeper relationship so i could become more aware and more attentive to how mm. i'm feeling when and how i can respond to that and my yoga practice embodies that when i get to the mat how am i feeling today what do i really need today what do i really mm. want today how is my yoga practice going to be in service to me today how is it going to support me today mm. how can it allow me to thrive today wow that really is so uh, it's so poignant to know that these you know these little things that we're that, that you're suggesting here that we're talking about you know they really are very very useful in life and in learning how to how to live with ourselves i suppose because it is that movement into awareness which is something that Gosh, if you can't cultivate it on the mat, good luck to you when you're, you know, in the middle of a really stressful situation or whatever. And it is that practice. And speaking to you really makes me want to, I am making a commitment to myself now of slowing down, of being better to myself, of being more aware of more in the moment of um, breathing it in. Mm. Because crumbs, you know, it's all, uh, this, this is it. <laughs> we can't be preparing for the next thing. There is no next thing. This is it. <laughs> and, you know, a great little tip and mm. something I do for myself throughout the day. Yes. And look, it might be many people do it anyway. But, you know, every now and then throughout the day, just close your eyes. Right. As soon as we close our eyes, typically our awareness comes more into our body and into mm. our, our felt level, our felt experience. And just getting into the practice of that every now and then, and you might just notice little things like, oh, I'm thirsty. Yeah, I'm right. thirsty. I didn't realize I was thirsty. I'm hungry. Uh, 
I've been sitting here for three hours. I haven't moved yet. Mm. I've been indoors for hours. I need to get outside. Just yeah. every now and then you might close your eyes. It's like the momentary transition, you know, the smallest of transition. Mm. Close the eyes in the middle of an activity. Close the eyes. How am I feeling right now? And, you know, maybe nothing, but maybe there's something little small that we notice. Mm. It's very small that can actually be very profound and could have a, a quite a profound impact on our state in that moment or on our day uh, mm. ahead. Oh, I love that. So just that little thing, just a little close of the eyes now yeah. and then. Okay. Um, uh, another great transition, the morning, yeah. the morning when we wake up, mm -hmm. you know, I used to be in the habit, get out of bed, race into my day, accelerate into my day That's on the right. phone, on emails. I try and sit for a couple of minutes when I wake up. I just sit. I just take a moment to come into the day mm. to try and notice how I'm feeling in my body, what my energy is like. Just take a moment to connect. And very interestingly, in terms of a tip for slowing down, mm -hmm. what I found very helpful. If I start slow, I'm more likely to continue a slightly more slower, mindful pace during the day. Because mm. it's almost like it anchors the day in a way. Yeah, right. If I start quick, typically I'm full speed ahead most of the day. But yeah. If I just start a bit slower, somehow throughout the day, I just remember to stop and slow down again. Mm. That's a really great tip because I always ask at the end for a small t for what your small step is for integrating mm. into your life, and that's a really lovely one. Starting off the day slowly, start slow. I like that. And when we're starting slow, is it okay to sit in bed with a cup of coffee or like how yeah, and, how are we yeah. gonna do this? So you know. For me, all of these practices, everything that, you know, uh, we're teaching around yoga, mindfulness, meditation, um, transition, everything's tailorable. Mm -hmm. And it's got to make sense for us individually. Mm -hmm. it, it's got to be something that we feel we can integrate into our life in quite a sustainable, convenient way. Mm -hmm. But how often, how often in the morning when we make a cup of tea, for example, mm -hmm. are we actually doing about five other things? Getting dressed. Washing, <laughs> doing some washing up, uh, doing an email. So you know, if you're going to make a cup of, cup of tea and have a cup of tea, make a cup of tea and just have a cup of tea. Start right. your day with singular tasking, mm. and you know we've become very um, sort of uh, attached to this idea that multitasking is, is really important and it's really productive and that it, it's a great skill to have to be able to multitask. But you know, when we multitask, we never really give one experience full attention either so why not cup of tea cup just, tea. In the, just you know even those first two those first couple of minutes while your tea your kettle was boiling when you're making a cup of tea here's a great mindfulness practice mm -hmm. those two minutes while you're waiting for your kettle to boil in the morning mm -hmm. uh don't go on the phone uh just go to a window and stare outside at the world mm. look at the sky look at clouds look at trees look at buildings colors textures shapes let the mind wander, but just be in that two minutes and mm. let that moment unfold. That's great. Or sit with a cup of tea and do it. <laughs> no, that's really that, lovely. Yeah. But, but that's it. It's already fit. That's practicing mindfulness in daily life. Mm. You know, you've got to, you, it's, it's not necessarily about even bringing a different time slot into your day. Mm. It's what you're already doing. It's just changing the relationship to what you're doing in that moment. Mm.
Yeah, no, that that completely makes sense. I yeah. I love I love that tip. Um, is there is there anything else that you'd like to share? Where can people find you? You can find more movement for modern life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I'm based in London. I primarily teach in London, uh, mm-hmm. in different, some different studios across London, um, mm-hmm. classes and workshops. Uh, and I teach retreats. Mm-hmm. Um, and all my information is uh, on my website, which is helloyoga.co.uk. Um, Great. And yeah, and I've got a blog piece I'm writing on transitions as well, which. Uh, I think it's going to come out in, in your next newsletter or, or one of the next newsletters. Good. So it will, um, yeah, touch on some of the topics we've been discussing today. Good. That's absolutely brilliant. Clive, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Thank a big you. hello to everyone who's watching as well. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Thanks so much for listening in. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. If you did, please subscribe to the Movement for Modern Life podcast and then you'll never miss an episode. You also might want to check out movementformodernlife.com, the Netflix of yoga, where we have all the world-class teachers in yoga, meditation and mindful movement. Just go to movementformodernlife.com and sign up for your free 14-day trial. See you on the next one.